Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Vedic Avengers Assemble! Vedic Avenger Jackala! Vedic Avenger Collinson! And I'm Vedic Avenger Smart, and we're listening to the Vedic Assembly. Today on the Vedic Assembly, we got some high-stakes diplomatic missions, and we are today joined by the head of the Trill Symbiosis Commission, Jesse Gender. Jesse, welcome. Hello. I feel so so honored to meet the Vedic, Ven- the Vedic Avengers. <laughs> it's just a thing. Then we just yeah, started. Don't... <laughs> yeah. But I'm just like imagining like what the different superheroes of the Vedic Avengers would be. <laughs> I'm on communications. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I'm just like imagining what a Vedic, like a Bajoran superhero, would would like would like represent. Like, oh, is the the profiter or <laughs> the pot, the the wraith smasher? I don't know. That's like wraith the smasher, Bajoran like Thor that. with the with the wraith smashing <laughs> yeah. hammer. Yeah, yeah. No, I would be the Bajoran Aurora Monroe or Bajoran Storm. That'd be me. Oh, oh yeah, no, yes. nice. I'm nice. all about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. So, how are you, Jesse? Welcome to the Vedic Assembly. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself before we start? What you do? No, no, I want to tell you nothing about me <laughs> ever. <laughs> nice to meet you. This diplomatic mission has failed. I'm actually leaving. Bye. See ya. <laughs> um, no. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am a. Uh, uh, Star Trek themed YouTuber, but I also talk about LGBTQ, transgender specific issues, and also larger like social political issues within both Star Trek and pop culture and geek culture in general over on my channel. So basically we use like, you know, pop culture, geekery, Star Trek to talk about larger philosophical and social issues and try to make it fun, try to uh, try to like have a educational bent to some harder topics, but uh, always try to be welcoming of anybody who wherever they are on their learning journey so yeah that's what i i try to do also i'm weird and awkward uh and so i feel i feel in good company <laughs> um so yeah that's that's me is this gonna be a show where we try and out weird each other yeah yeah isn't it always that's generally what i i aim to do just try and out weird anybody that i'm in a room with <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a good way to cover up the awkward part yeah mm-hmm. But yeah, because awkward is my mutant power. Yeah. It is is my number one thing. I not only am awkward myself, but I make other people feel awkward. So, so that is your Vedic Avenger. <laughs> yeah, it's power. yes, the awkward. <laughs> yes, I am the awkward. Vedic awkward. <laughs> that works actually. <laughs> Vedic awkward. I like it. I love it. I, like I love it. it. I'm in for it. I'm down yeah. for it. Works for me. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about Dax. Jadzia and Ezri, but I feel like we might end up popping into some of the other hosts of the Dax Symbiont as well, just briefly, I'm guessing. Uh, Jesse, what made you want to talk about, you know, the Dax Symbiont and all things Trill, or all things Jadzia? <laughs> well, so, oh gosh, there's so many avenues I could take with that broad of a question, because the Trill are my personal favorite um, Star Trek species, 
for for obvious reasons like one i just love the the sci-fi conceit of them i think it's just a really cool idea that asks like really interesting questions uh, just from a scientific point of view like how does memory work and how does you know how do things get passed on and there's so many ways that that metaphor can be used and and used to explore but also uh you know as a trans person uh the trail have always been tied to uh whether intentionally or not and they've been made more explicitly recently in discovery but they've always been tied to sort of a trans experience and a trans metaphor the transgender community has always like looked at the trill as sort of a a way to find our representation within star trek when we weren't there beforehand um and can can find of like ways to read into it and so i always i always i learned a lot about myself growing up by looking at characters like Jadzia and characters like Ezri and just the Trill in general to try and explain a little bit about how I felt about myself, which we can dive into that whole discussion later on if we want to. Um, and then just on top of that, Jadzia and Ezri are just cool as hell. I, I adore both of them. And like as J- the way I've always seen it is like Jadzia is the character that I always aspired to be, like this cool, awesome, badass chick who's like, I just, I will take no nonsense from anybody, can can hang out right with all the boys, but still is like, still very much clearly confident in her own like femininity and, and herself. Adore that about her. Um, but Esri is the person that I am. <laughs> just like awkward and weird and mumbling my way through a situation, but still trying their best. Um, so yeah, so... That's there's just so much with with the trill and with Dax that I just adore on almost every single level. So, yeah. Brandy, what about your initial thoughts on trills and Dax? And well, I remember, of course, the first introduction of the trill, which was in The Next Generation. And uh, it did go through some. uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? Some upgrades, I guess, is the best (laughs) way to put it. Between. (laughs) Yeah. Between Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. So. I was really looking forward to seeing how the trail had evolved, and I wasn't disappointed. There was much more information and much more rich history and backstory that we got to delve into, not as much as maybe we could have, but I immediately loved the character of Jadzia, and I was just always happy when she was involved in anything. (laughs) So, and, and then... Ezri, it took me a little time, and I think it's probably because I, it's it's not because I didn't like her. I think it was hard for me because it was like watching myself, because again, very awkward, and especially at that time in my life, we were, you know, of similar age when that particular storyline took place, and and I was so angry at Jezia's death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't take it out on Ezri per se, but it took me some time to really understand the character and appreciate her like she should be appreciated. And she needs a lot more love than what she has gotten in the past, is what I'm saying. So, And she also had a lot of less time to endear herself to the audience, to be fair. Yeah, she got a year. Mm-hmm. She got a year, one season, really. And that just isn't fair. And yes, there are sometimes those characters that can just come in and endear themselves immediately, but they were playing a very risky card when they gave that symbiont to another person. And I like that they took that risk. Yeah, I think that we needed to see the differences in how that symbiont joins with a different host. And again, just enriching the whole culture of the trill. Nick? 
Yeah, like trying to think back to, you know, when I was originally watching DS9 as a kid, I think Jadzia was probably one of the 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 standout characters. Like I thought she was cool. I kind of always thought like the scientist characters were cool because like I always wanted to be a scientist. And it's interesting more recently um, for me, obviously, like, you know, being a scientist and the the one of the main things that I studied around my PhD was symbiosis between... Um, like a, a fungal organism and a, a plant host. And it's this mutual, like beneficial symbiotic relationship. I, I yeah, I love that in, you know, Star Trek, like in the Trills as a, um, like taking that concept to like sentient life forms. Yeah. And it was just like, it was really interesting to kind of look at it through that lens more recently, having studied that kind of stuff. And it, it, you just you saying that like made me think of like, how that kind of evokes Star Trek as a whole too. Like the yeah. whole concept of like, we're stronger together when we come together, but understand our differences, but allow that to like make us a more stronger unified whole while understanding that we're separate beings too. And so there's like a, there's like an interesting microcosm of that idea of uh, just diversity, making us stronger as a whole within just the idea of two trill or the trill and the host, the host and the symbiote. Jeez, can't can't get my weird science fiction terms correct uh, coming together. So I just that's I just was thinking about that as you said that. So that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. I totally agree. It's that, and it's also yeah. growing off of the good experiences of everyone that's come before you, and still being able to remember things of those that have died and being able to put the good aspects of those forward into the future yeah so many metaphors that the trill are just good for so just quickly with me i as listeners know i I came to deep space nine quite late so i sort of knew a little bit about the trill i didn't know too much because i didn't really pay too much attention in tng because by the time i think the trill were introduced in tng i'm like "Eh, some of these episodes are a little bit beyond my care factor to be honest with you i'm not the biggest tng fan but two things that really stand out to me the first was when we see jadzia on the table next to curzon with the trill being replaced i never thought we'd actually even see that and i'm like whoa this is actually a really cool idea but the second part and probably the most important thing comes down to esri i'd already seen that there was a lot of hate for esri just because you know oh they shouldn't have killed jadzia off and you can't replace Jadzia, etc. just as you were alluding to, Brandy. But I thought Jadzia... No, sorry. I thought Esri did a... I wouldn't say Esri. I think Nicole de Boer did a wonderful job at inhabiting the Dax symbiont, but having a completely different personality as well. And I thought it was refreshing. And I thought that Esri was a great addition to the show. I, I 100% agree. Like, I've... Um, as we were talking about before before I came on, like, I've been re-watching uh, season seven of Deep Space Nine right now. And just realizing like how how different she really was and how like a different facet of of Dax that she was able to show while still having that connection and uh to to all the other characters but still feeling unconfident in in all of those connections because one of the things that I always kind of was critical about just without having recently watched Deep Space Nine like having spent some time away with it was like oh and, and this is clearly coming from my background as like a trans person and reading the trans metaphor onto the character was like oh I kind of wish they had gone with with a guy character when they brought her uh brought Dax back to the show after Jadzia had died and while I still think that that could have led to some interesting interactions that would have probably made didn't, didn't hit me stronger as a trans person at that time like seeing that sort of representation and discussion it is also interesting to just see her come back and like remove the gender aspect of it and seeing like how different 
someone can be while still having these different connections with people. Because what I love is that, you know, Cisco still fully accepts her as Dax. He doesn't have any sort of hesitation about your Dax. I get it. And and I trust you and still call you old man and still have, um, you know, that connection with you. But also understanding that you are a different person mm. with a different... Um, with a, with different personality and different needs and and different ways that I need to encourage and 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 embolden you like the way that Cisco pushes Jadzia and pushes her to be better is different than how he pushes Esri in different episodes and I love that 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 is acknowledged and not and not like it's kind of like taken for granted like Cisco is just so on the ball with that and just just instantly gets it that I I absolutely adore it and and that speaks to me uh, quite heavily, uh, both as a trans person who has like experienced transition and like has like seen how people can sometimes be like, oh, I don't quite get it. I'm not entirely sure how I should interact with you anymore. It's just nice and refreshing to see an example of like, oh, yes, this is how you should uh, just instantly. Like, I accept you. I get you. But also I acknowledge that there's like going to be differences here. And so I think that that's really uh, kind of awesome. And hopefully that's probably, well, not hopefully, that's probably more down to just the fact that it's, you know, 23, 70 something and society's evolved mm. for the better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just want to briefly touch on the Dax symbiont itself before we get going into the characters. So I was doing my wonderful research that I do 30 seconds before the podcast. And <laughs> 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 so I found out that the Dax symbiont was actually born in 2018, so two years ago. It was 150 years before the Dax symbiont was first joined with someone, joined with Layla in 2168, who was apparently the first female to be in the Trill legis legislature. So clearly yeah. Trill had an issue with female representation in the past by the looks yeah. of things. Sad. Um, mm. But it's also where Jadzia gets her hands behind the back stance, which, do you know what, I have actually caught myself so many times now just walking along with my hands behind my back because you know what it is comfortable and it does stop my arms from flailing about everywhere <laughs> and it gives you that that confidence i love the scene where um kira plays that character in in the one episode of uh of Tuesday's Night where they're they're all put into it and i just love like kira just uh the actress um i'm blanking on kira's actress's name no, 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 thank, thank you very much uh she just plays it so well she's like yeah she's got the cranky voice and she walks like this and it's 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 just so perfect but it just shows how like confident that character is in her her stance and her poise which is great once Layla dies, the Dax symbiote's passed on to Tobin, who's a super nervous engineer and mathematician and solved Fermat's last theorem, apparently, which I thought was quite hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but she, uh, Jadzia draws on Tobin's experience when she and Kira are stuck in a old Bajoran wreckage ship, leading Tobin's experience. And this is what I said earlier about um, the experiences of the past hosts becoming or being used for good generally it's like you they would not have got out of that situation if jadzia didn't have the skills that tobin would have known about yeah emini was the next host who's an olympic gymnast apparently so that was played by chase masterson when uh, or later in in show for the Shantara episode, followed by Audrid, who is... Also, I should say, Emeni was also friends with uh, Empress Giorgio, if you read the Star Trek Discovery books, which is... Whoa, fun. whoa, whoa, anyways. whoa, whoa, whoa. Die Standing, isn't it? Yeah. What? Yep. Oh, i got to read that one. It looks so good. No, I haven't I haven't read the book yet because I'm a notoriously slow reader. It's been 10 months and I'm still reading <laughs> the fucking first Voyager book. But... <laughs> 
Uh, I'd recommend Dice Nanny. It's great. It's uh, it's about um, Empress Giorgio from Discovery. Uh, when she comes over to, uh, she starts working for Section Thirty One in our universe, and she basically becomes friends is probably too strong a word but uh she works with emony dax for for a little while on a on a secret mission in that book oh which is great oh my god i have to read it now <laughs> yeah <laughs> very very cool. good so then we have a another head of the troll symbiosis commission so one of your predecessors jesse <laughs> in audred oh, <laughs> so yeah. that she was the head of the symbiosis commission then we get to rias which we know a little bit more about he was a shuttle test pilot died in a crash and had um, a, sim- a widow who also had a symbiont, the Khan symbiont, which came back in the show as Lenara Khan. Uh, yeah. Now, I feel like we need to talk about Lenara Khan and Jadzia Dax a little bit here. Yeah, because that, that's such an interesting episode that like you could talk we i mean the intention of that episode was to talk about the lgbtq community and and specifically like the stigma around um sexuality and being gay and being lesbian in the show and that was sort of the writers sort of trying to be like all right let's have our episode about what it's like to be gay and have people come after you and and people stigmatizing just your your love and like even showing any sort of uh, affection for people uh with uh of the same gender um but again kind of wrapped up in the trill metaphor but the other thing too with that that i always connected with that um probably was unintentional by the writers but because of the way the trail symbiote metaphor works i find kind of fascinating is it also is a great discussion of how partners who have transitioned uh how their partners may have uh hesitations or issues with how they've changed as well um because you sort of see that there's hesitation from both dax and uh, i believe the other symbiote uh, that there's like, oh, you've kind of changed. I'm not entirely sure if you're the same person anymore. I'm not entirely sure if I trust you completely the same way. And again, that goes back to the idea that we were talking about earlier, which like when trans people transition, sometimes there's hesitation with being like, are you a different person? Have you completely changed? Are you are you completely new? Um, and and I can't speak for every trans person on that because some people do see themselves as like, oh, this is like a metaphorical death and I wish to be seen as a whole new person. For me personally, though, I view my transition as like, no, I didn't die. I didn't become a new person. I just was better able to reflect who I was on the inside, outside to you. And so other people can see me better. Um, and so I like that that episode was sort of like a discussion of that topic of like, oh, we've, we've changed, but we can maybe still find our connection. We can still like love each other and still love the core of who this person is, even if, you know, the exteriors changed a little bit. Um, and so I, I really love that discussion in the episode, even though, probably that was not fully intentional by the writers of Doomsday Nine, and that's where i love the sort of like you know it, it does have its problems because it sort of can allow people to ignore issues that we should be discussing but i just one of the reasons that i love the trail symbiote is because it does kind of create this interesting messy confluence of a different many different topics that we can sort of dive into yeah i remember that episode very fondly actually but there was that part of me that was just like why is it a problem for two people who knew each other in different hosts to get together? Why? That that was the thing that bothered me the most. Like, this makes no sense. This is just plain prejudice. Mm-hmm. And that was the point. Yeah. You know, it was pointing out a prejudice. But it just, it made me so angry <laughs> at 
the time and it still kind of does not kind of it still does and so i i look at this thing because i think that both terry farrell and Susanna thompson did a wonderful job of portraying two people who had been very much in love and cared very much for each other in different bodies. I think they really pulled that off. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily an easy thing to do. I just really appreciated their performances. I felt their love. And this underlying thing of it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong was just heartbreaking for me. Yeah. And the end of that episode is is painful. Mm. Really, really painful. And I I kind of felt that that's where it was going, but I seeing it was just hard. Well, it just it, it's an interesting thing because like it just reminds me it's a constant problem with Star Trek that's just in in a way inherent in its structure as a series that is especially at the time much more episodic even though deep space nine kind of tried to issue that a little bit and be much more sort of carrying through threads um but the the problem with star trek in a lot of ways is it's a show that's trying to teach about issues and so it wants you to feel like an impetus like yeah go out and change the world like you don't want this to actually happen and so there's a problem with a lot of like queer stories or queer metaphorical stories or just a lot of stories of representing minorities in general in Star Trek where the ending of the episode is usually really sad and heartbreaking mm. like the episode with with uh with Dax here where it's like the they decide Dax really wants to get back together with the other with the other host and says you know screw it we'll we'll break the stigma we can get past it or or we'll just you know we'll deal with it and take the issues as they come but the other host uh is basically like can't can't see past that and leaves and says, I never want to talk to you again, essentially, which, mm -hmm. which is heartbreaking because they do still love each other. And that's heartbreaking as a, as a queer person to watch because it's like, oh, all of our stories, every time we get a story that's even representative in this, it has to end in heartbreak. And while that is nice as an idea for, for other people who are learning about these communities to be like, oh, that's really sad. I feel distraught inside. I want to make sure that that doesn't happen in the real world. And so it sort of creates this impetus to like, go for like get action out there and like get feel like you want to make change in the world so that this doesn't happen anymore that's great but it also means that queer people when we watch that constantly have to see ourselves be never get to have a happy ending we never get to mm -hmm. see ourselves live happily even in metaphor we can't live happily um and it just it just it breaks my heart that in a show like deep space nine where there are so many callbacks to like previous things even in offhanded lines like you know we we hear that like kira is like contacting the the cardassian uh father figure that she had from that one episode and he comes back later on in another episode that this is a character that jedsian never gets to see again or hear mm -hmm. again because of just that, like, oh, we had our special episode on it, and now we can't bring it back up again because it's too controversial yeah. um, and too uh, too difficult to to try and fight for. Um, so it's just it's a problem that you see crop up around Star Trek, even as much as I love uh, when we get to see LGBTQ metaphors and, and trans metaphors, and, and and again discussions of many minority topics uh, for uh, issues that affect minority groups, I should say. Um, that's just a constant problem. See, it's episodes like this that I find are the best in Star Trek in a way because you've, you've gained a lot of um, connection to it in a way and insight into it from being trans. 
being gay myself, I sort of looked at it in a different way. I'm like, oh, they have no problem with the two characters being female. Like they've got absolutely zero problem mm-hmm. with that, but it's the whole concept of you can't. I just thought to myself, it's, like, it's great that Trill doesn't see two female characters or two females um, being together. So the whole concept of gender in that respect isn't a thing, but it's more their stupid rules about knowing or trying to give the hosts, no, sorry, trying to give the symbionts more life experience. I just think it's a really shitty rule. Um, I mm. sort of I mm. sort of found happiness in the episode, not necessarily sadness, if that makes sense. So it's just interesting yeah. to see how different people react or feel about the episodes, especially some of the really strong ones like um, this one, which I can't remember the name of the episode offhand. Is it Rejoin? Yeah, rejoined. Yeah. Uh, rejoined, yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's it's fascinating you you say that because it's just making me think about um you know I'll give a quick warning here minors I'll I'll try and keep it quick so as not to uh, anyone who hasn't seen Discovery can can just skip over this part easily but minor spoilers for the recent season of Star Trek Discovery in that there uh, is a similar situation that happens there where they are using again the trill for trans metaphor but there's a yeah. basically a scene in that episode where. We have uh, you, we have the trill metaphor of like being given a, a symbiote as representative of uh, transgender confirmation surgeries. Like that's clearly what they're trying to evoke in that. But the character who is playing the trill host in that scene, played by Ian Alexander, who is a trans person, is trans in the show, but is not. But the the metaphor of the gender confirmation surgery has nothing to do with them being transgender like literally transgender within the show, but it is sort of being a metaphor. So it's sort of the same thing that you're talking about in that um, the very fact that we have a transgender person is not a big deal within the canon of the show, but they're still using the metaphor of the trill in order to still talk about that same issue. So it's this interesting sort of like uh, layers of meaning where it's like, look, you can have your representation. We have two women on Deep Space Nine who are able to love each other and there's no issue with them being women, but we're still able to talk about that, the stigma that they face through alien metaphor. So being representation at the same time, but also being able to discuss the issue at the same time too. And also Ian Alexander and Blue Del Barrio, fucking amazing on Discovery. Oh, Mm -hmm. I adore them. They are phenomenal. Jesse, I'm so glad you actually brought that bit up because I, that was one of my favorite bits from your um, view of that episode of, of just how they were still using that to like show this stuff metaphorically, but yeah, still having an actual trans person going through it at the same time. And it's yeah, because uh, too often, and and we see this in Deep Space Nine to try and direct it to Deep Space Nine too. Is like you, what I loved about Discovery doing that, and again, I still have concerns about how Discovery's handled stuff to a degree. And I've discussed that in my own oh, yeah. content if anyone's interested in it, but. What I love about that is they are actually using a trans person to have that discussion. Like there is a trans actor who like outside of the show can come out and be like, let me, we can talk about these issues because Star Trek is a show where the actors are very much advocates, which I very, I I love that about this franchise that the actors that they cast in the show are also just care as much about social issues and social justice and are very much clearly advocates even beyond just being in the show about that, which I adore. Um, and as much as I love Terry Farrell and adore her with all my heart, and I think she is fantastic and, a, and a, also a wonderful advocate, it's it's sometimes sad when you don't get to see a queer person 
represent you on screen because they don't necessarily know if they can they they can't talk about it as clearly so when someone says like dax really meant a lot to me because of this reason there's sort of a little bit of a distance between between you because it's sort of like oh they they kind of be like oh i'm really glad that that meant a lot to you but i i can't really speak to that as much and terry farrell i know i've seen interviews like totally understands the importance of dax to the trans and and queer communities but as she's not trans, she can't necessarily speak to to all those issues, um, which again, not a fault of hers. It's just nice when you see that on like Discovery, when you have a trans actor being able to talk about these issues explicitly, even when they're told in metaphor on the show. Yeah, the way that I look at this, when people say, "Well, why do you have to have a trans actor playing a trans character?" It's the same reason why you have to have an Asian playing an Asian character. It's just the right thing to do because that actor is going to bring their personal experience into this character and enrich it in ways that a person who has not had that experience cannot do. So that's why you need gay people playing gay people and trans people playing trans people and non-binary people playing non-binary people. It's because that experience makes it that much more real. And all of these actors need those voices we need more of those voices yeah. everywhere, across the board, in all entertainment, period. In all industries, period. Yes. 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 100%. Very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very light, light issues we're getting into. <laughs> That's all right. I, I get heated. I will get heated. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm cautious to bring this up because I don't, but I, I feel like I want to, just, just out of curiosity. Do it. Do it. And I know I that I, I've i seen a lot of it online, and I feel like I might have fell foul for it myself a little bit, but then Brandy put me on the right brain path. What, and I'd be particularly interested, um, Jesse, from your opinion. And I, I uh, just so you know, cool, safe space. If you, if you say things incorrectly and need to work it out, you're totally, it's totally okay. So don't worry if you need to talk it out and, and word it correctly and figure it out. With the trill obviously being a metaphor for transgender and issues, does it mean, would it mean more if the characters themselves were human or not? And I, if you don't I mean, want to answer, that's fine. It just, I just want to understand oh, no, no, myself no. if that makes sense. No, I mean, see, this is, this is, this is the thing that's always hard to parse out and discuss because the answer is there is no one answer to that. Uh, this is, this is the thing. I feel like we as a, as a society in a lot of things try to say like, here's the right way to do something. Here's the, like, you need to have them be humans so we can talk about them being humans. Um, or people's like, no, you need to have them aliens so we could, we could talk about them through metaphor and they don't have to, you know, we can show a future where we can move beyond these prejudices, but still talk about the issues. Like there's no one correct way to, to represent trans people uh, to represent the LGBTQ community, to represent any minority groups, because minority groups and trans people in, in any community like that are incredibly diverse, and there are many issues and many ways that we are stigmatized, and many things that we want to discuss, and many ways that we can be represented and discussed. Like, you know, if we look at, you know, cishet, straight, white dudes, there's not one straight, cishet, white dude who represents every single cis, straight, yes, exactly. het, white dudes in all of fiction, you know? S- you know, Superman is not the same as Batman, is, you know, Kirk is not the same as Picard, and 
and Saru is not the same as Kirk and Picard, uh, even though he's an alien who is can represent straight white cishet dudes. Um, so there's no one correct way, and so yeah, and I and I think it's worthwhile. And the and the one other thing too that I want to say on that point is like when I criticize or when anyone criticizes, like oh, I worry about what this metaphor for trans people will will say about this. That is not necessarily me saying like, ah, it's awful and I hate it and it needs to go away. It's saying that this 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 type of representation, it allows us to say these things, but it also implies these things as well. And we can hold in our heads both positives and negatives of something because no work of fiction is perfect. That's why I love Star Trek, because it allows us to talk about these issues in such nuanced ways of like, I love this episode for this reason. Also, I have problems with this episode for this for these other reasons. And I'm not saying I love or hate it. I'm just saying that these are some issues that we can talk about. And I love that. And so I think I think in in our in a world where it's so easy to be like, I hate something or I love something, I think we need to create space for being like, no, there's there's nuance here and we can both praise and criticize something at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. also have a diversity of representation that isn't just one thing or one thing. Thank you. Um, Definitely. I'm not saying that I, I mean, I did have a thought about it when I first saw that it was going to be true when I was speaking quite extensively to Brandy about it and I came round to the exact same conclusion, but I just wanted to say thank you for that because my understanding of trans has been very limited. I guess Adelaide's a very conservative place as well. So I have not had exposure to that until I actually joined Twitter and started podcasting. So it's I'm constantly learning and it's been a good experience. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's why I also like when you were asking the question, I wanted to be clear, too. It's like we're all we're all in different stages of our learning journeys. And so like I, I didn't come like I, I tend to feel like I'm generally up and up on a lot of trans issues. But even I have a lot of learning to do. There are things that I because of my experience as like maybe a, a white person, I can't speak to like transgender people of colors issues that they face so i mean i need to educate myself on that i also didn't come birthed out of the womb knowing everything about trans issues so like it's totally okay to be at different stages of our learning journey and like as long as you're being respectful and things like that like it, there, there are there are times and places where making mistakes is not okay, and those are like high stakes situations, like with like 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 a huge platform. You want to make sure you have like your huge platform is being used for good, so you want to mm. be very careful. But in spaces like this, where like we're we're talking and we want to have conversations and we want to have like like discussions like this, we should allow ourselves just chances to to make mistakes and to say things incorrectly and 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 encourage people no, to no. to say things incorrectly so that we can yeah. learn. So thank you. I had a couple of things that I wanted to mention on top of that. Like the thing that taking it into um, talking about uh, Grey in Discovery again a little bit, just because it kind of... <laughs> it's become I a just, Discovery conversation. I, <laughs> they, that conversation. It happened with Kat Walski. It's fine. It's because of the representation in Discovery that... No, I was just saying like I, I really did like that and I found it kind of interesting that, yeah, like you say, since especially in Deep Space Nine, you know, the trill was so often, if not intentionally, but seen used but definitely seen as a metaphor for uh trans people and trans issues i and it i think it's really good that they had you know gray as a trans character who is trill but his you know the fact that he is trans has nothing to do with the fact that he is a trill it's like he is not trans because he is an alien he just is you yeah. know but before he gets the symbiont and after so i i liked that aspect of it and i thought it was cool and i think also yeah. 
what you said about how we're all sort of like constantly learning and there's no often there's no like exact right way or no perfect way to do it kind of fits in very much with like my opinion of sort of society in general and like especially star trek like the portrayal of the federation and all that sort of stuff and the ideas of utopia it's like anytime you sit back and think that you've got something right or you think something's perfect you stop working to make it better and it can stagnate so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a constant we the thing that i think people forget about star trek is it's all about the pursuit of of being better the pursuit of being inclusive the pursuit of diversity i mean data says it in next generation is like we we uh, I, f- I forget the exact line, but it's one of my favorites that uh, is in all of Star Trek. It's like, we we must strive to be more than we are. Uh, it does not mean we will reach our ultimate goal, but it, the effort is is its own reward. And so people tend to get caught up in like this, like Star Trek needs to be this perfect, absolutely perfect representation of the future. Can't get anything wrong. It's like, no, it it's all about like pursuing that chance to be better. Because if we believe that we will get to this perfect utopia that everything will exist, uh, in, in in perpetuity, it allows us to ignore very real issues that affect people, um, as we've seen throughout Star Trek that people can just ignore. It's like, oh yeah, trans people were always in Star Trek, right? It's like, no, we didn't feel, we didn't get a chance to be represented. Um, and you were able to ignore that because you're like, oh yeah, Star Trek's perfect. It's the perfect future. Mm-hmm. And so you, we, we, you're able to ignore these issues. And so exactly as you said, both within the fiction of Star Trek and the real world, it's like we have to, we have to understand that nothing is perfect. That does not mean that it is not worth pursuing and being critical and, and, and trying to go for it. But Trill. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to touch on one thing that we kind of touched on a little bit, and that is using uh, Trek to tell stories as metaphors for what's actually happening in the world. And science fiction has been doing that for a long time. And I think the most prominent example prior to Trek was the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Because Rod Serling, you know, he was in World War II and he had a lot of post-traumatic stress and he basically dealt with it by writing. He wrote stuff out and when he started up the Twilight Zone, there were stories that he had wanted to tell beforehand, but they kept getting rejected because they were too much for the sensibilities of the delicate 50s people. And so he thought, well, let's tell this through a science fiction metaphor. Mm. And he told a lot of stories that way about our social condition. Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot of stories that way. And people accepted them because it was, oh, it was all just, it was all just fantasy. But at the same time, they're being exposed to that line of thinking of, oh, perhaps we are the monsters. Oh, Maybe we are, because <laughs> that was one of the first Star Trek in the Twilight Zone taught me more about morality and ethics than my school did, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So because yeah. th- those were some of the first things I remember as Star Trek and especially Let That Be Your Last Battlefield was my first real lesson on racism. And then Twilight Zone, the monsters are due on Maple Street. Also a big metaphor for racism and paranoia of the other and just there were it, it reached me even at a very young age whether i understood that at the time or not yeah so and it's important to keep doing that because there are yeah. some people who just won't get it otherwise yeah and 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 
again, this goes back to that same idea too of like, there's no one right way to do things. So I think there's, there's, there's a hundred percent worth. I mean, it's why I love Star Trek too, for that exact reason is it allows us to sort of pull out from the like, oh, this person did this thing. Cause we, we tend to get bogged down in the details of a discussion is like, well, you know, this person did it. And so Star Trek allows us to sort of lift it out and say like, let's deal with how this type of stigma works and look at how stupid it is or dumb it is yes. and how, but we can also like critically analyze how these, these systems function of like prejudice and bigotry, like we see how that functions. So it's really worth that and allows people to sort of remove themselves from their own, the context so they can kind of like, oh, oh, racism is dumb when I remove myself from like the politics of, of the era. Mm-hmm. So that is worthwhile incredibly. But what I also like that Star Trek does too is it 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 also does sometimes make it very, very explicit what this is oh, about. It says like, yes. this is about racism. Like we get like wonderful episodes like Far Beyond the Stars on mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine where it's like, no, you're going to look right at this and understand that this is what happened. And this is the context within human history in which this happened. And you cannot look away from it. And that makes people uncomfortable. And whenever I tell people, if you're feeling uncomfortable, people's instant reaction is like, oh, I don't want to see that. that. That's why people get like when they see trans representation in Star Trek, it's like, oh, I feel uncomfortable about that. So I would just, no, 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 I don't, I don't want that in my Star Trek. Get that out of my Star Trek. It's like, no, if you're uncomfortable... There is a reason you're uncomfortable and you need to analyze that and you need to confront that. And if we don't, and Star Trek forces you to confront that at times. And so I, I, I adore that for the show that again, has both of those ways of doing things in, in so many ways where it's just like, Hey, look, we can analyze these systems removed from context that allows you to kind of remove your discomfort from talking about these topics in the, this way, which is, which is a good way to do it. So then you can sort of incept people into understanding how they work, but then it says, okay, We've applied that learning. Now we're going to put it in a real world situation that you have to look at and say, like, if you believe this, if you believe that bigotry is bad when it's aliens, now you need to understand that bigotry is bad when it's humans, too. And and sort of forces you to confront that and and crit- critically analyze yourself at that. And hopefully the goal would be that, like, now that you've seen it in an alien context, that you can sort of analyze it within yourself and and sort of remove yourself a little bit from your own personal biases in order to do that work. And sadly, some people don't. <laughs> some people just like say, eh, you know, trans people in my Star Trek or queer people in my Star Trek or, or, or you know, racial issues in my Star Trek. It's like, uh, no, lean into that discomfort and analyze yourself. Mm. And, and, and that's something we all need to do because I need to do that, too. I, you know, I advocate for trans issues, but I'm not perfect. I will screw things up. I have screwed things up in the past. And I need to sit back and be like, why am I uncomfortable here? Why have I screwed up? Or like, wh- where is this discomfort coming from? And lean into it and try and understand where that's coming from and it's, if it's something that I need to to do better about. If there's any message in any show that we ever do, it's that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, moving on with the Dax symbiont. Because <laughs> I just realized we've been going for 47 minutes already. <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry so, about it. Uh, we move on from Tarius into Duran, who's a psychopathic musician, who, <laughs> which, I mean, I would love to be a psychopathic musician. Anyway, uh, he killed the doctor who didn't uh, want him in the symbiont program because they decided that he wasn't good enough for it. The thought was that it went straight from Tarius to Curzon, but Duran uh, basically stole it and sort of was... Um, struck what's the word i want to use here 
uh, repressed or something out of Jadzia's memory, so mm. they couldn't actually remember the fact that Joram was one of the hosts, but that almost killed Jadzia. It also says that um, basically the whole Trill Symbiosis Commission is built on a lie, and the whole foundation of Trill culture is built on a lie, seeing as that half the Trill can actually host, but they'd say that they can't just so the symbionts don't become commodities. That didn't go so well for them in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, I always think about uh, Duran as whenever I hear that name, I'm like Duran Duran instead of Duran <laughs> Duran every single time. Every single Psychopathic time. Psychopathic Duran Duran. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, he was a musician. Yeah, exactly. That that was the type of music he played. Uh, I also love the miners. This is this is this is less getting into the issues of it, but something I just love. Um, apparently, the so he appears in the episode with Esri, and that's the one where he's most known for. But he does also appear in that one episode where Jadzia has all the hosts, and Cisco plays mm-hmm. him. And oh yeah, Cisco uh, Avery Brooks is terrifying. Yes, I know. Really terrifying. He is Amazing, horrifying. Right? He just did such a great job. I really enjoyed that Shantara episode. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. it was really cool. Especially seeing that I always love episodes where actors play different characters that we're not known to seeing them for. Yes. So, um, yeah, it just shows how good Avery Brooks is because he is just like he's a it's like you turn from this warm, this warm kind of understanding guy who can can be harsh, but this warm understanding guy to like this psychopathic murder, and I'm like, I am scared out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then we yeah. get the great Curzon Dax, um, which I didn't realize, but apparently he died of Jamaharan on Riser. <laughs> yeah. I completely what? forgot. It's that. a way to go. That's in the Ri- that's in the Riser episode. I completely forgot. Best way to go. <laughs> I keep telling people nothing good happens on Riser. Why do people keep going there? Yeah, it's why. Is it like also, Space Cancun or something? Space- <laughs> also, I'm of the opinion that... <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah. Yeah. Like Archer, Archer like in Ar- I remember Archer and Enterprise gets like the weird, uh, the, the like secret agent girlfriend <laughs> in that one yeah. episode too. Yeah, well, the, the only person who ever had a good time on Ryza was Hoshi. She's mm. the only person oh who God, didn't have a terrible right. experience. Yeah, she did. Because, she had a nice little uh, date. Yeah, because Trip and Malcolm got suckered in by boys <laughs> pretending to be girls. Yeah, you know, strip mm. them and steal all their stuff. Yeah, it's mild Kinda transphobia had, in Enterprise. It's yeah. fine. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. It's just like you know, this sucks. This really mm. sucks. That whole I that whole episode is really just hard for me because I'm just like, okay, yeah. no, because it's it's not only transphobia, but it's this whole thing of just. A man wearing anything that is construed as female or for women only. It, there's this stigma about it, like it's demeaning, mm. it's mm-hmm. emasculating. And I'm like, why do you have that feeling? What has, wh- who has taught you that? Because mm-hmm. that's not really the way clothes work. And that's yeah. not the way sexuality works. And you need to just maybe sit down and examine some of your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys look good in dresses. Like mm-hmm. we should, they, we should do. be admit that. Yeah. And the legs. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my husband has great legs. I have mentioned it to him more than once, and he's just like, maybe I should get a gothic kilt. And I'm like, oh yes, please <laughs> do it. Oh my gosh, please yeah. do. Yeah, because he's he's very gender critical. He he's very 
he says, does that make me non-binary? And I said, I don't know, honey. Only you can decide whether you're non-binary. <laughs> so, also, quick, quick, quick note, just to interrupt you one sec. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. I'll, I, I shouldn't interrupt. My apologies. Uh, just to, just to uh, make you aware, the term gender critical um, might be a bad term to use because I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. But TERFs use gender critical as, as a way oh, to Oh, we don't want that. Hey, yeah. Sorry. No. Terf, we no, don't want that. Yeah. Uh, this is a whole other discussion for a whole other time because TERFs are a whole other rabbit hole. TERFs mm. are, they're, they're, they're basically a transphobic group, but to hide the fact that they okay. are TERFs, they call themselves gender critical. Um, oh, so okay. just be, just always wary. Like, I know what you mean. You're like critical of the concept of gender, but TERFs yes. have co-opted that term to mean like basically hide the fact that they're TERFs. Okay. Well, let me rephrase then. My husband is critical of gender constructs and Mm. the fact that we have them, that he believes, and I believe as well, and there's scientific proof of such that gender is fluid, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's often not necessarily binary, so... Yeah. So he's just uh, he's just cool like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really your husband see sounds him amazing. <laughs> he is amazing, and I w- I'm really looking forward to hopefully someday seeing him in that gothic. <laughs> you know, me too now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like those legs, y'all. I mean, like if I had those legs, I would be showing them up all that time. <laughs> Perfectly shaped calves, just. Yeah. Uh, sorry like... for objectifying you, babe. I know you're gonna listen to this. <laughs> okay. Uh, I feel like the goth utilikilt thing was a a big thing here, or at least amongst like a few people I know from uni uh, a little while ago. And there's one guy, uh, a friend of mine named Lawrence, who's uh, in a really awesome like garage punk band called Sorted Ordeal, who just like wears his utilikilt like out all the time, just like mm. massive, massive hair, smokes a pipe. He's a like just one of those awesome looking musician guys who just like has the per- has this persona mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. it's like goth kilt and combat boots i'm yes. down for it it's a great look <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um going back to curzon um can i express my opinion that i think curzon's kind of a jerk yeah. Thank he's you. A, a yeah. I thought I was alone in that. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's a great uh, diplomat, did a great job. But, like, there's so many references uh, to him. Like, the very fact that he he denied Jadzia getting uh, into getting the Trill symbiote or getting access to a Trill symbiote because he was attracted yeah, to her. Fucking dick, show, and, and, and I think the episode... Yeah, and I and it's a great episode because I think it actually critically analyzes that. Um, but because it's sort of saying like, oh, it's it talks about how men will often deny women access to success and uh, and deny women to um, professional spaces and and being promoted and moved up because they're uncomfortable with women being in those spaces because they can't handle their own crap and their own attraction mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. men's sexuality or straight men's sexuality, I should say, um, will often. Uh, harm women in numerous ways in a professional environment so i I love that episode but it also just shows how kind of sexist curzon is in in numerous ways yeah Mm. agreed Mm -hmm. and the thing is it's never a woman's fault if you can't keep your mind on your work yep that's Mm -hmm. your own fault so Mm -hmm. but unfortunately it comes down on it comes down to blaming the woman for for a man's attraction always always Mm -hmm. it's always somehow the woman's responsibility for everything Mm -hmm. always and I just am tired. I'm tired of carrying <laughs> your crap, guys. 
present company excluded <laughs> my gents but yeah i just am tired of carrying around men's crap mm-hmm. so it's a good it's a good episode and i love that discussion i love that it deconstructs curzon for being a sexist jerk um uh, but yeah, everyone's always praising Curzon and he surely was a good guy. Like he definitely, you know, he, he had good taste in friends at the very least with Cisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. and, and probably did a lot of good for, for, for diplomacy with different groups, but he also was a sexist and I, we shouldn't uh, shy away from it. No, we shouldn't. Then we get Jadzia. Yay. <laughs> Who wants to start off on Jadzia? Well, I think one of the things that I like and one of the, I think possibly it was one of my first uh, exposures to the fact that trans people see kind of like metaphorical representation in uh, like the Trill and especially in the character of Jadzia is her interaction with um, um, Co- is it Kankor and Koloth? I think it's, yeah, it's, yeah, Kankor and Koloth. I forget which one yeah. specifically is in the scene in the, I'm, I'm assuming in, you're going to talk about. Yeah. yeah, there's that. And it became a meme, you know, where where he just says, ah, Curzon, my, my old friend. She just says, I'm Jadzia now. He says, ah, Jadzia, my beloved old friend. That and was like, core. That was yeah. core, yeah. yeah. And I, just, I always get them confused. Yeah. But. It's like, the, you know, no no awkward stumbling, just like self-corrects and, and embraces her as the same old friend. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, always remember Klingon said trans rights. Exactly. And so I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's... That's cool, and that's really cool that yeah. that people are seeing that metaphor. Yeah, even even the alien metaphor for toxic masculinity gets trans rights. So yeah, if they can get All it. Right? You can. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, true. Yep. No, I love that. And the other thing too is Jedsia that I love, even moving beyond like a trans metaphor. She's such like a great uh, representation for for women in general, especially at mm-hmm. that time, because she is. She is a woman who is clearly a woman, is confident in her femininity, will show up in, like, the hottest dress and, like, knock you out with how beautiful she is. And yet she is not played as sort of, like, the, the like, unconfident in, in herself. Like, she's open with her sexuality. She will pursue the guy. She will pursue the woman. She will pursue... Uh, 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 you know, any relationship that she wants to, as we saw throughout the show, she's confident in her abilities. She's confident in her, um, in getting stuff done. Um, which I feel like in so often in fiction, there's like, and, and it's understandable because women in real life are taught to be this way too, of just being unconfident in, in their skills and abilities when they are capable people. Mm. And so it's just so nice to see a woman character get to do that. I am somewhat saddened by the fact that 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 it comes through because it's like oh she was a guy so we can show that confidence coming from from the guyness that is involved mm-hmm. in her like she used to be she has guys memories so she's clearly more confident in herself but if we remove that it is just nice to see a woman who is confident in her sexuality confident in her abilities and yet still clearly um able to be incredibly feminine yeah, because Definitely. as females, unfortunately, even from a very young age, we're taught to not make people uncomfortable, to not mm-hmm. make a fuss, and to basically be nurturers and carers. And that's all fine and good, but that doesn't mean that we have to submit ourselves to anyone else. We can still, I mean, if I make somebody uncomfortable, that's not on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your discomfort's on you. So, but we're not taught that way. We're not taught to believe mm. that. And it's a frustrating thing when you become an adult and you realize you've been lied to your entire life. So that's fun. Um, 
one aspect of Jadzia that I absolutely hated, and this was only for one episode, and I hate this episode with every fiber of my being. It's the Brigadoon episode. Meridian! I was going to mention hate this it today. So much. <laughs> I hate it one? so much. Okay, so <laughs> if anyone has seen Brigadoon, they'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, basically, this society that only appears every X amount of years appears. Oh, and right, Jazia yes. falls in love with a guy in less than a day because she's climbing trees, and suddenly she and her symbiont are going to stay with them forever? No. Absolutely out of character. <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? Oh, yeah. It made me so oh, angry. Yeah. <laughs> Still makes me I very say, angry. <laughs> I will say, I, I recently rewatched that because I've been going through Deuce Ace 9. And I, the the start of that episode I actually really loved for the reasons that I said before is that like they're all at that like dinner scene with mm -hmm. with uh, with everybody and the guy's clearly hitting on her and she is giving it right back to him and just like yeah I'm into you and I'm I loved that first scene because I was like oh again good showing like Jazz he is like hell yeah I will give your flirting right back I'm not gonna be like timid about it. it's like oh yeah you we want a bone we can bone later that's the thing that that i'm 100 down for but then it devolves into as you say is like oh he's the best and i need to be with him forever and i'm gonna give up my entire life and dreams to go be an energy being with him yeah it just was it was infuriating because it's someone it's so just smart. another yes it's another representative of a woman who has all of these skills and all of this knowledge and she is strong and confident, smart. She's a scientist, all of these things. But, oh, but, the but perfect pretty, man pretty guy. He's yeah. gonna, I can do whatever for him. I'll give him my yes. whole life. Yeah. yeah. And it's well. just... Mm. <laughs> to be fair, I would do that for Ethan Peck, but not random. Not <laughs> random. Too. You know... Not, not he, random dude on energy planet sorry i interrupted yeah no but he's he's also very smart and into <laughs> science and it reads you know like ancient philosophy and preparing for strange new worlds and i'm just gonna stop talking about it <laughs> wow. i just look like a big fat dork and i'm okay with that <laughs> i mean i think i think the problem is like that dude on that planet is just so bland it's like yes. you you do not there is nothing about you that like speaks to me that jed sia this like awesome character would be interested in you. Like maybe if they had like made their connection better, but he's just like bland dude of the week number three. Like it mm -hmm. just it is just so like forced to get to the point of that episode. It's like if you made him interesting, I might have bought it, but mm -hmm. no. Yeah. Even my husband hates that episode. In fact, he might be more vitriolic about it than I am. I kind of really <laughs> like it just because of how stupid it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I also get really frustrated at the scene where Cisco accepts it. And he's like, I totally understand. I, it's like, no, Cisco, you 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 smack Jancy upside the head and say, like, what are you doing? Come on. Talk some sense <laughs> into your friend. Not, not not that I'm encouraging slapping women. I'm just doing it as like, a, like, <laughs> like get your head yeah, together. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> I just want to go back to what. I'm sorry. The, the only thing that I have left to say about that is how could Dax have been on board with any of that? Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's not just Jadzia. How could Dax have been on board with that? Really? Come mm. on. The only headcanon I could think would be like, Dax is like, yeah, I don't like this guy, but I'm kind of curious what it's like to live as an energy being. So sure. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay. That's fair. So I'm it's sorry. The only I way I could <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not in the episode at all. That's just the only way I make it work in my own yeah. brain. I mean, that's, yeah. I, can I, can't, I can't make it work. 
I just want to go back to a point that you made, Jesse, just regarding um, how Jadzia's like strength seems to come or has to come from the male hosts. I'm not so sure I agree, just because of the female hosts and how strong they were. In terms of Audrid being the head of the Trill Symbiosis Commission, you've got Emine, who's like an Olympic gymnast, who has to be strong in that respect, and then Layla, who was must have had the tenacity and the drive to be able to be like the first person in Trill legislature. I just think maybe the Dax symbiont itself has just had so many strong characters that that's all manifesting in Jadzia. But then again, I do get what you mean because we mostly see the strength and stuff coming from the Klingon aspects of Curzon. So, I mean, yeah, I can see what you mean as well. It's, it's, again, it's one of those, like, there's no fully, fully, like, I agree and I disagree with you. Like, I think, mm. I think in universe, if we're taking it to be in universe and also as the character developed throughout the series, I think the writers understood to show that diversity of, um, of confidences within, within her previous hosts, which I really liked. But I think at the impetus of the character, when she's first introduced to the show, she is shown to be confident. And I think she's shown to be confident because the prior host was a dude. And so they were saying, like, look, the writers of the show are like, look, the last host was a dude. So clearly this young 20-something woman is coming in and being very confident is weird and strange to have a 20-something confident young woman. Um, not like they were being like, oh, it's weird, but it's just showing the distinction of, like, she's a confident 20-something-year-old woman, which you normally wouldn't see. And that's coming off of the back that the previous host was... was was a, was a male character okay. that Cisco knew. That's fair. But then as the show developed, I would 100% agree with you. Like the writers started being like, well, we need to know she has other hosts. And so since she has other hosts, let's make her other hosts a myriad of different genders. And of course, they were all probably really successful. So as she developed, that came out. But I think the impetus for her character as from a writing standpoint, that's yeah. where it came okay. from. No, I get that. I get that. No, thank you. Now, my thing about Jadzia and... I think it's probably my most favorite thing about her is that she is so calm. Like the way she talks and acts for the majority of the time, she's just so level-headed and I'd even say peaceful and happy with herself, mm-hmm. as, as I think we've already mentioned. But um, that's, I found myself wanting to be more like Jadzia. Yeah, I, that's like, that's what I said at the top too, is like, she was the person who I still aspire to be. Like, I still wish I had her confidence in, in, in myself uh, to be like, yeah, I can get this done. And I don't necessarily like, it's just like, we're all chill. I can get this done. I believe in myself. And that doesn't mean she doesn't like question herself from time to time. There's numerous times where she's done that and gone to Cisco for advice on mm. stuff. But um, just having that like, hell yeah, I'm going to show up to my wedding in a badass red Klingon, uh, Klingon dress while also like kind of pissing off my my pseudo mother-in-law at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course I'm going to do that and I have no problem with it. Uh, so I, I I adore her for that. So it's a new meaning to WWJD. What would Jadzia do? That's what I reckon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. WWJDD, what would Jadzia Dax oh, do? Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't really touched on her relationship with Worf. I, I don't know exactly how much there is to say about it, except that I, I I think that it is a very interesting and quite, um, in a lot of ways, sort of uh, well-portrayed relationship because, like, we actually get to see them, like, growing together as a couple for a lot of it. Um, yeah, I think the thing that I could say about it is, about that relationship is uh, I think it's just a really good extension of showing how confident she is in her, her desires and her sexuality. Like, if you rewatch that, like, Worf is actually kind of the timid one. Mm-hmm. And Worf, yeah. is, Worf is, uh, is, is an underappreciated romantic. Worf is very much a romantic uh, kind of <laughs> character, if you really think about it. I, I, I mean that 
without any uh, irony. Um, and so I like he's kind of like, I, I don't know. Like in his own clinging way, he's kind of like, I don't know. Is this really a thing? And Jetsy is like, dude, let's bone right here, right after our like bat left practice. And we are dating now. And I just love that she just like she gets she's she's able to get she it. controlled it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that wharf was sort of the more timid one, which is, again, a dynamic that you normally don't see between uh, male and female characters in a relationship, especially at that time on television. Mm. So, yeah. Well, wasn't the start of that because of that? Oh, gosh. What was her name? The Klingon that Quark was. Oh, yeah. Trying to romance. I forget her name. Exactly. But yeah. I forget her name, too. And, and then like Worf was kind of into her and <laughs> then you know because another Klingon lady he has and I'm just like why are you so fixated on Klingon ladies you boned Troy come on oh don't remind me yeah I know nobody wants to think about that it's okay it's okay we, we'll, <laughs> we have orange slices over here for those who've been traumatized in some water you'll be okay uh. but um is, is she, she basically makes that point when Quark is the one who wins her affections. Jazzy is just like, why? Why are you being this way? You, there are other fish in the sea, yeah. and she's kind of implying, like me, let's go <laughs> do it. And so, yeah, it's it's implied, but you don't really actually see that blatantly until later when they're like coming into the med bay every so often because Jadzia got injured again from oh, rough lovemaking. <laughs> Which I also love in the show is just it's like no they were boning. Like it's not <laughs> oh, it's yeah. not a, it's not hinted at. It's like no they were boning and it got they aggressive. Were, <laughs> yeah. They were absolutely absolutely I'm just gonna say they were fucking you guys. They were <laughs> fucking up one side and down the other. And they yeah. they were doing it on the hollow suite too, I assume, which I gotta like I just imagine, dear lord, what you could come up with the hollow suite for all that stuff. Jesus. Sorry, this got real yep. dirty, but that was where my no, brain went. It's okay. Like, well, you know, lower decks just really just always oh, yeah. put that in my brain now because cleaning the bleep out of the bleep filter. Oh yeah, no, you you know people are going to the hollow deck to hook up all mm -hmm. the time all and the time. doing some crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I yeah. really want to bring up something. <laughs> do it. Go for it. Do, yeah, it. do it. Do Klingons have double the amount of cum just because they've got two penises or? <laughs> Yeah, see, that's the oh whole thing. God, yes. that's, that's what I want to know is whether there are two scrotums because the scrotums are where the cum comes from. So are because there are two penises, are there two scrotums? If there are not two scrotums, then you're not going to have, you're, no. you're going to be like splitting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would presume that there would be. I would presume that there would be because I mean, like we see that so. there's two there. I mean, it's <laughs> getting really down to dark track, but it's like it would make sense. Like one was used for sex and one was used to like urinate. But mm -hmm. we clearly see in Star Trek Discovery, as is canon, they both penises are used for urination. Mm -hmm. So both would probably be used for sex. And they were both They're pretty strong ergo, streams as well in Discovery. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying that it, it like that's probably. Double the double the fun, double the cum. <laughs> <laughs> Can we name the episode oh that? No, we can't. We can't. We can't. Or could we? <laughs> I'm just loving the oscillation of discussion in this episode. It's like we're just talking about Klingon, Klingon sex and Klingon cum and also like deep issues of representation. 
<laughs> yeah, well, this is not the first time we've talked about Klingon penises I, and I how like they I'm use them. Something so, up all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm very curious. I really no. want it all. I want to know the physiology of it. I really, really do. I'm sure so. Jadzia is having fun with it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Sorry, um, <laughs> your face went, was priceless. <laughs> I wish this wasn't audio only because that was priceless. Just went down a rabbit hole for a bit. Sorry, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> then at the end of season six, Jadzia dies, and that's simply because yeah. Terry Farrell and had issues with her contract. She didn't want to do as many um, episodes anymore, and that was not allowed by Rick Berman because she believes that Rick Berman was a complete misogynist, and some of the interactions between Rick Berman and Rick Berman's staff towards Terry Farrell caused some of those problems. And in the end, it was either you do what I want or I'm going. And whilst we lost Jadzia out of it, I feel like that probably got Terry Farrell out of a potentially toxic area. Yeah. 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 There's claims that uh, sadly this can't be corroborated, but I, I'm on the side of trusting and believing her. Did I? Um, yeah. But to put the asterisk on it, it has not been officially corroborated. Yes. Uh, but she said that uh, Rick Berman would like have her buy bigger uh, busts and like would ask for her to, her boobs to be bigger and get bigger she like uh, boob sizes in the show so that's really a lot and really horrible and i'm sorry she had to deal with that and it it also kind of sucks that um uh like iris Stephen bear uh is even talked about like the the right the executive producer in deep space nine was told that he wasn't informed um but it also kind of speaks to the fact that he kind of failed to to be aware yeah. Of 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 the issues that were facing his his female cast members. Um, so, well, I certainly don't put a lot of I put all most of the blame ninety nine percent of the blame on Rick Berman, but Iris Stephen Bear probably deserves a little bit of uh, credit for for or, or not credit um, blame yeah blame for for uh, for not being more aware of those issues. So it it sucks that it um that it caused Terry Farrell to have to leave the show. But I agree. Yeah, I'm glad that she was able to. To get out of it and go over to, uh, what was it, Beckett or Becker? Becker, was it? Becker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which she was great on as well. So. Yeah. Yep. So then the symbiont was passed on to Esri. Esri! Woo! <laughs> My girl Esri. I adore her. <laughs> She's so great. And like I think out of such a bad situation of you know everything that happened with Terry Farrell, and her needing to leave, I think the fact that we got the character of Esri out of the whole thing is is kind of the the thing that kind of makes up for it in the best way they possibly could have. Yeah, she uh, to to speak on the transgender metaphor of Esri that I really love. Um, as I'm rewatching the show, number one, she just as as a character, even regardless of the trans metaphor, she reminds me of myself being like kind of awkward and like sneering to figure things out and being like, oh, I don't know how to say the words correctly. So I love that like lack like the comparison between like her lack of confidence with Jadzia that I spoke about earlier. But uh, to speak on the trans metaphor that I really love about her, um, within the trans community, we have this idea of the baby trans. Uh, if anyone knows what knows what that is, uh, which is uh, for those who don't know, 
is this idea of like someone who's just starting to come out as transgender, just starting to learn what it means to be transgender and is still kind of awkward and, and like still kind of like learning a little bit and may say things wrong or be like, oh, I'm or like get really excited about like stuff that maybe trans people who have been out for a long time kind of take for granted, like wearing a dress or something. And it's kind of adorable and and wonderful uh and we always like love to encourage and foster the the baby trans in in the community um and so just Esri just like gives that that energy so hard <laughs> throughout her uh throughout her her time on the show um there's the there's one wonderful scene that I just watched uh, like earlier this week um where she's visiting uh her family um which is her mother's toxic as all hell and awful but there's this wonderful scene where they're at the dinner table and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, she's like, I, I, you know, I sometimes don't know if I'm a man or a woman if I until I look under the covers and I skip my pronouns wrong. And she's just like making like weird, awkward jokes or whatever. Um, and it's just kind of funny. Um, and and it's just like that is adorable. Is that was it adorable. baby Tran? Did you That's say awesome. baby yeah. Tran? Yeah, I just think Esri is such a is such a good addition to the show, even if we only got her for one season. And I mean, yeah, she had a lot of focus on her because we needed to establish that character a little bit more in season seven, which some people didn't like. But hey, you, you have to kind of do that to be able to bring someone up to speak. Make her, yeah, worthwhile. Make her worthwhile. Instead of just having her as a background character, they had to do the same for seven of nine on Voyager when they introduced her in season four. So I, I don't know. I, I don't get the hate for Esri and Nicole DeBoer. Maybe not hate, dislike. I don't get the dislike. Yeah, I think it's probably just, I mean, 709 probably gets a little bit more of a pass because uh, she was like came in in the Agreed, middle of the yeah. show. Whereas like, and also that show is much more episodic. Whereas Deep Space Nine is like, we got this war going on, but we need to take these sidetracks with, with Esri that people mm. were probably just uh, frustrated about. Uh, like, oh, we have to take these sidetracks with this character when there's like bigger things going on and bigger, like I don't really want, I didn't come to this show to meet a new character. I came to like be with my buds that I've known for six seasons. So I, I get the feeling. But I also still adore her, and I love uh, most of her episodes and, and how she's developed. I think she's just a wonderful addition that I think is easier to see in hindsight without watching the show week to week. Yeah. Mm. I also really love where they take her in the, like, the, the like what do they call it? Like, the relaunch, like, post-series oh, yeah, novels. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring like, that up, uh, yeah. In, um... I'm blanking on the name of like the big trilogy where they have the big war against the Borg. Destiny. Oh, Destiny, yeah. Yeah, where she comes in and she's, you know, she has like switched to the command track and was just like fast tracked to captain and is the captain of like this awesome experimental ship called the Aventine. Really? Mm-hmm. No, she's she's great there. And I also like her relationship with, uh, uh, we don't bring this up, uh, relationship with uh, Bashir. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, in yeah. both within the show and in the books, I think it's developed kind of nicely too. Mm. Um, because... What I liked about it, her relationship, there, there's an element of like, oh, finally Bashir gets to be with Dax as he pursued her at the beginning of the show. So there's mm-hmm. that like sort of like, ah, oh, he finally gets the girl, which is like mm, kind of trophy uh. thingy, which I don't love. However, I do like it for both of their characters to a degree because it does show that she's a different yep. person than Jesse and has different desires than Jedsia. Uh, and also it just shows that he's grown as a person too, where he's not the arrogant jerk anymore. Yeah. Um, that he's, that, that was sort of like awkwardly written at the beginning of the show. But I, I, so I, 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 there are problems with it. Again, one thing does not have to be wholly good or wholly bad. So I like that. But I also like in the books, if you read the books that, that follow, um, unlike a lot of other books where they're just sort of like, yeah, that relationship didn't really happen. Like with, uh, with, uh, Worf and Troy or, uh, Chakotay and Seven of Nine. In the books, mm. they're usually just sort of like, and we forget that because no one really likes that. In the books, I actually like how 
Jetsia, or sorry, Ezri and Bashir are written where it's, there's actually several books with them growing apart from each other because they start to realize that like they, they just have different desires in life. Like she wants to pursue being a captain and pursue the command track. And that's what she's an identity. She's finally come to terms with. Mm. And because of that, uh, it kind of just pushes her away from Bashir just naturally because they just have different desires at, in their careers, which I really liked. And I thought was very truthful to to their characters, but it wasn't just like, and they're not dating anymore because we don't like it. It was like, no, we're going to actually put weight on it and, and show them drifting mm. apart from each other in a real way. Yeah, I like how Ezri was brought on as a counselor as well, as opposed to just being the science officer again. Yeah, it's just 100% needed on a show. Every show should have some form of counselor. I think. Oh god! And we're seeing that yeah, wonderfully yeah. on Discovery at the moment with Culver, mm-hmm. which I which I like and also dislike to a degree on that. That's a whole different discussion because I love Culver. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great counselor, but it also just bothers me that it's like, oh, we're gonna put all this emotional weight on this dude whose explicit job is not to be a counselor. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, okay, fair. He he is he is he is choosing to do that to yeah. be fair, but oh, I was just gonna say, and I really like the idea of you know uh, people who start out as you know as a counselor, you know, working with mental health eventually moving into command and becoming like a captain or an admiral in the case of admiral cornwall from discovery mm, yeah it's like yeah that that makes a lot of sense that would be a very good person to be like leading in people yeah. yeah and also i love that esri does not start off being like confident i 100 like she's still i think at the start of the show she's still technically a student um yeah. of counseling she is not like full counselor and she only gets to be a full counselor because Cisco backs her and 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 pushes for her, uh, again showing like showing the need for like allies to like help you and and guide you and and push you through. But I also just like she's not starting off the show at, as like a counselor Troy, where she like was one hundred percent and just knew her stuff and was able to counsel everybody on the ship. Uh, she she still had a lot to learn. Brandy, your final thoughts, seeing as you're on the left of my screen. I knew you were going to do that for the Trill, for Jadzia, <laughs> the Dax Symbian. Well, I like that they took what could have just been a one-off character from Next Generation and developed an entire culture around it and continued to use this as a metaphor for real issues without also making it all about alien metaphors, etc. It's a really complex thing that they did, and I don't think we appreciate sometimes how complex those waters were to navigate. They brought it on themselves, to be fair, and most of the time they did a really good job navigating those waters. Uh, I Honestly, the very first time that I watched the first episode of Deep Space Nine, I felt like Terry Farrell's performance was a little bit wooden. But as the series progressed, I understood that she was finding her way with that character as much as everybody else was. And so this was, you know, Terry Farrell figuring herself out with this character, but it was also Jazia figuring out her place on Deep Space Nine. So it was kind of like a dual metaphor in that way. And I grew to... Terry Farrell was the Esri of... Yeah, (laughs) she was. (laughs) And so I enjoyed watching her grow. I I always enjoyed anything that had to do with Jezia. Also because I really loved the science part of Star Trek. I'm 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 not very... What's the word I'm looking for here? I don't know 
all about science, but I am a bit of a science nerd. I have my passions that I like to dabble in. And so it's always fun for me to watch the scientists get in there and start doing things. And the fact that it's Chadzia, and so it's a woman being this representative of science, which is something that I don't think we had a lot of prior to Deep Space Nine. So I, I grew to appreciate this character a lot more than I originally thought that I would. And I also just really learned to appreciate Esri more, even after the fact, after I stopped watching, after, let me put that another way, after Deep Space Nine was no longer running, like it had completed its seven seasons. And every time I go back to episodes of Deep Space Nine, I do find that it has new information for me, new ways of looking at it, new things that I take away from it yeah. every single time. And actually, that's true with all of Trek, but especially with Deep Space Nine. Every time I, the older I get, the different lessons that I get from it. And uh, the, the whole Dax storyline is no exception, especially in times like these where this representation is even more necessary than it was before and needs to continue being out there. Yeah, 100%. Jesse? Yeah, I would I would second everything Brandy said. Um especially uh especially the point of that I love that trill are messy and that the metaphor is not always perfectly done, but it was just such a it is such a wonderful sort of like multi-layered, multifaceted thing um that we can sort of dive into. It's it's and it's a microcosm really like trill Dax, Jedzia, Ezri are really kind of like a microcosm of why I love Star Trek in general is just this this ability to constantly, as we say, pursue being better, pursue being talking about these issues, pursue talking about what makes us better as as a whole if we look at um, the diversity and inclusion of all of us, but also that there's mistakes in there and there's problems and there's it's not always 100% clear what is... Uh, what is uh, the right way to pursue things and the wrong way to pursue things. And and so I just like that in many ways, Trill and Dax are just a microcosm of everything I love and love talking about Trek um, in that it's not perfect. And the final note that I guess I'll end on to be just specific to myself is, you know, as should be made clear by an hour and a half long conversation on this um, and me constantly bringing up the trans representation uh, of the character meant a lot to me like just meant a lot to me growing up and while i wish i had had more chances to have explicit representation as a young trans kid learning about myself growing up uh jadzia was was the way that i was able to learn about myself and so while i certainly recognize the problems and the deficiencies that i've i had because uh, uh not having that representation the very fact that she existed gave me so much and meant so much to me as a kid um that i will always 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 adore Dax and Jedzia and Ezri. So. Dr. Vedic, Avenger, Nick. Also, that was really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, that was, <laughs> well, that was wonderful. I don't, what, what to say to follow that? No, no, I'm just like, I'm not following that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to go first. I didn't have to follow. Ooh. 
Oh, no, but I mean, I like I love the 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 character of Dax for for all those reasons too, and um, Esri as well. And like this discussion has given me a even better understanding of 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 both of them as sort of separate characters and also as kind of like the same sort of running running through. You know, I, I still love it kind of from a point of view of, of being a scientist as well and thinking about like socially, biologically, all that sort of stuff, how just like how a person or a character like this could work, like being your own self, but also with all these memories of another, you know, living, thinking, being inside you. And yeah, I just think that's fascinating. And I always love, you know, when when science fiction gives us something that is you know completely uh impossible in the real world you know like a, a symbiotic life a sentient symbiotic life form but the way that they manage to make it you know not just so believable in that aspect of it but to use it in ways that meant that so many people saw it as a metaphor for um you know as a positive metaphor for like the trans experience um and and saw themselves represented you know when explicit representation kind of wasn't really a, a thing it just really makes me love this character and and love the like the writing of the show and just like how complex and complicated everything was around it um i don't know how to follow anyone so my final thought is <laughs> who the hell names the symbionts do they name themselves or what because Dax would have been swimming around a trill pool for 150 years before being put into Layla. <laughs> Did Layla decide that its name is Dax? Or what? That's my final thought. And I do not know. Mm. <laughs> also, who was the first person to figure that out? That you couldn't put a symbiote in you? Like It's like, ah, oh, slug thing. Insert this into I'm myself. Stick that in my body. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably an accident. <laughs> yeah, it was probably Whoops. someone was just like, "Ooh, there's a nice, nice warm pool in this cave. I'm just gonna go for a swim." Oh, what's that? Let's let's be honest. It was probably a sex. I was like, "Ooh, a slug thing." Ooh. <laughs> 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 oh, what's this? Memories? <laughs> this will change the whole foundation of uh, true culture on some form of sex play. <laughs> Yeah, wow. I mean that's that's where most I feel like most radical changes in society come from from some yeah. sort of sex thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> well, that is fair. Um, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, that's really the best way to end this. We go from like deep thoughtful discussions to sex things. That's yep. that's yep. a great route. Great that's conclusion. How, that's how we roll around like, here. Yeah, yeah, I think deep. Deep, thoughtful discussions to sex things is a good way to sum up this it's podcast. Our, it's our brand, It's pretty much really? is our brand, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I'm down um, for it. So, Jesse, why don't you tell our listeners where you can find ourselves? Yourself? Uh, <laughs> yeah, find I'll, I'll tell your listeners how where they can find you, and then you tell them where they can find you. <laughs> Um, you can find me, uh, mainly on YouTube at Jesse Gender. If you just look up Jesse Gender in that YouTube search bar, you'll find me. I release videos, uh, typically Monday, Tuesday, or Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, but Fridays are sort of the big day where I have like a big video discussing whatever topic that comes into my mind at the time, and I decide to spend way too much time editing and writing it. Um, so that's where you can find my main stuff. I'm also on Twitter at Jesse Gender. 
uh, where you can sort of hear me rant about all the things. And I also have a Patreon page where you can help support me doing what I do. I don't know why you would, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming on, Jesse. It's, it's been a blast. And thank you for... It's been great. This has been a wonderful... Educating day. as well as talking about putting slugs inside you sexually. And... It's <laughs> <laughs> my brand. It's my brand. <laughs> oh. Deep discussions and then putting slugs inside me sexually. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. Um, I'm sorry. I was lost in thought again. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at Ethan Peck behind you. I was like, that's slow. Well, so was I. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I just yeah, stopped. Yeah, we should. Just, no. Uh, you are all wonderful, and thank you so much for, for having me on here. It's been it's been a really great conversation. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right, Nick. Outro words. Oh, Liam's name is on it. What are you typing? Uh, just to be fair, Jesse, at one time when I was doing what Liam, what uh, Nick's about to do, Liam was changing it as I was reading it, <laughs> and then proceeded to do it again, and then again, <laughs> and he he left all of it in, which was oh ho- it was hilarious. So he left all of it in the podcast because I, I can already to. I can already Wonderful. see what you've done, <laughs> you filthy filthy boy. <laughs> so thank you for listening to this episode of the vedic assembly before we close nick and liam record on the traditional lands of the wurundjeri people of the kulin nation and the ghana people of the adelaide plains respectively we pay our respects to elders past present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded you can keep up to date with our episode releases on twitter at vedic assembly on facebook at facebook.com slash vedic assembly And please join us in the listeners community called The Nexus. Just search for The Nexus on Facebook and you should find it right there. Uh, And there you can join the discussion about new episodes of Star Trek Discovery while it is still going on at the moment. And you can find Liam on Twitter at LS74656 and on this network hosting The Janeway, our Star Trek Voyager podcast, and inserting slugs inside himself. You can find Nick on Twitter at PunkZoologist and on Instagram at PunkRockZoologist. And you can find Brandy on this network hosting Boldly Go, our Strange New Worlds podcast, What the Future Holds, our Star Trek Discovery podcast, and on Twitter at Brandywine12. Brandy is with an I and 12 is a number. The Vedic Assembly is part of the Holosuite Media Network. shout out for um baby trend and stuff uh, and if any of our listeners are interested in like uh random photos of like rescued uh like lizards and frogs and endangered species and stuff um uh go give my cousin oscar a follow on instagram uh at a uh, feral bastard um uh yeah he's just uh come out recently and has just like fully embraced like conservation of like native species and stuff and i'm immensely immensely proud of him <laughs> this show is brought to you by hollow sweet media computer list other available hollow sweet media programs loading hollow sweet preview program for open channel a star trek community podcast but i just want i wish that more 
straight cis white guys said things like that and realized things like that and i please continue to to try and show them the way <laughs> i try and of course i have responsibility too i am i am cisgender and i am white you know even though i'm i'm a homo so <laughs> uh i think that's great nick i think we should just wrap the show now and end on that note <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you so much thank you Loading Sweet preview program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Before that timepiece stopped working. Mm -hmm, Because he saw it in the shop window. That really ugly timepiece. When I first watched it, I thought, okay, yes, this is a clock that maybe somebody puts on their desk or Mm -hmm. on a wall somewhere. But later we see somebody pull the same thing out of their pocket. Do they not have watches? (laughs) Oh, it's like one of those like huge clunky mobile phones that all they ever did was like call people. It's like, nope, this is just a big clock for my pocket. It's something that Flavor Flav should be wearing around his neck. It's that big and obnoxious. Is that a clock in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? (laughs) Oh, no, no, it's it's just a clock. It's most definitely a clock. (laughs) <laughs> Loading Hollow Sweet preview program for What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Look at previous Star Trek series where they appealed to the male gaze. Mm-hmm. You had Seven of Nine, you had those episodes of mm. Enterprise, yeah, to Paul when they're in their little decompression chamber or whatever yeah, the, yeah mm-hmm. when they're in yeah their let's undies. objectify the male a little bit around. yeah yeah equal <laughs> rights it's nice to change it up right see if you're gonna objectify a woman then you've got to objectify a man to balance it out because then right. it's not it's about time <laughs> no kidding computer deactivate hollow suite